there, folks. My name is Emily. And I'm Elt. And we are Oh My Word, a podcast where we discuss books, movies, musicals, and TV shows, and share the content with you in hopes of promoting more clean content and in hopes of helping you become a more informed consumer. We even have an easy guide to help with that, and that's our pearl clutching skill. Because we know, we just know that everyone is sitting there with their gorgeous pearls on right now. And you're like, oh no, am I going to be clutching these all the time that I'm going to be reading, seeing, watching, whatever, fill in the blank. So you can just look at our handy guide for violence, language, and romance on a scale of zero to four. How many pearls are clutched? Zero means no pearls clutched. Four means all pearls are being clutched. Run for the hills! Holding your pearls! <laughs> exactly. And this has was done, usually out shares this information, but we really took a lot of time figuring out these pearl clutching scales. We clutched a lot of pearls. We clutched real pearls. We clutched some fake pearls. Um, we used those little hand strengthening tools to make sure our hands were optimally strengthened because we didn't think that it would be fair to talk about pearl clutching if we were weak little girly men. So we really had to make sure that we were doing this in a scientific way so that we could bring you the best information so that you are as informed as possible. So really, we we did a lot for you. I also just want to point out that Emily was clutching clams that still have pearls inside of them. And I was trying to explain to her that that's not the same thing because the pearls were not taken out yet. But that's how dedicated she was to the cause. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with people. It was a little bit embarrassing at the time. But I think I I connected with the clam, which I also think was nice because... Then we took the pearls. Wait, clams or oysters? I think it's kind of both. I think it could be either. Do they both? Well, anyway, you know, I, I think it, it's good. It's like being in touch with the land, you know, when you, when you take the plants from it or you're in touch with the animal before you kill it. So we were in touch with the clams so that we could gently and kindly take the pearls from them for our scientific processes. Yeah, I usually went for lunch at that time, but whatever. I'm sure there's something beautiful about it. Speaking of beautiful. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> one beautiful thing to speak of that we just have to give a shout out, but we will not acknowledge it because the way we we roll, the acknowledgement of where we're at is going to be next time. But what we should acknowledge is that this is episode 100. <sighs> but we're not acknowledging it, okay? Because we, like last time, we didn't celebrate episode 50. We celebrated episode, or was it 51 or 52? So we're not celebrating episode 100. But... Something, okay, back to the beautiful thing. (laughs) Speaking of beautiful. But there is something worth celebrating, I have to say, about episode 100. And that is the fact that we've gotten to 100 episodes and we're still in this bunker together and we haven't murdered each other because really that was touch and go for a while there. So kudos to us. And also because I keep my uh, throwing stars near me when I sleep. Well, you know, we all have to take precautions. (laughs) But yeah, anyway, so back to beautiful. Oh, also celebrate what, you know, what seems to be something to celebrate. It's very connected, but you're going to have to pay attention to how the connection worked for our segue here. Uh, Today we're going to, yeah, well, you know, it works. Okay. Today we're going to talk about something that was very beautifully, visually beautiful. Okay, we'll give it that. Visually beautiful. And also where it comes to like, oh, this thing that's going to be celebrated, but there might be an element to it that's not as celebrated. Okay. Do you see how that kind of works? And also, because we're going to talk okay. about, well, wait for it. We're going to talk about Encanto, right? Which is the newish, because, well, because it came out three months ago, you know, so three, four <laughs> months ago. So it's the newish Disney uh, animated feature. And it takes place, it's set in Colombia, right? Because we're doing the culture thing now, but not in a... Uh, they finally figured out to do the culture thing in a not derogatory way, but in a celebratory kind of way. 
You know? Yes. So it takes place in Colombia. We have Mirabel comes from a magical family. But everybody in the family has these special powers, but Mirabel does not. See, so everybody's like so cool and celebrated, but Mirabel kind of isn't because she doesn't have special, you know. Anyway, the, the family's magic starts to fade and she has to discover the cause and save them. But maybe she's the source of the curse. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Very quickly, pearl clutching skills. Violence is 0.5, so like half a pearl, like half a strand of pearls, maybe. <laughs> Language, zero. Good job, Disney. Rowan's kind of 0.5, 1-ish. 0.51-ish. There's a, there's a kiss there somewhere. So There's a kiss and there's a storyline about a sister getting engaged and there's... So it's there, but it's not the essential... It's not a romance story like Beauty and the Beast or Aladdin or Cinderella where the romance is a little bit more central to the story. It's a side character. It's not Mirabelle who's involved in the romance. You know, if there's if there is a kiss and there is a kiss, I think it's got to be a one and not a point five, according to our highly scientific scales. I know everyone true. is very worried about it, so that's what it is. So we got point five for violence, language zero, romance one. Good job, good job, Disney, for not going psycho with this stuff, especially on the language thing. Yeah, that's true. They always try to sneak something in. Usually, oh, always usually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But this one is, well, this one's rated PG. I wonder what the last Disney movie that was rated G. And I know sometimes they re-rate things also when they're re-released. So it's possible that like Beauty and the Beast is now rated PG, even though I'm sure at the time it was G. I mean, I can picture in my head watching all of the previews for the next Disney movie and it would always say rated G for all audiences, you know, because they were always trying to make it. But at this point, I think PG kind of is the new G, not that there are no kids movies that are G, but just because they put in stuff like sometimes, you know, it's a little bit scary, first of all, so that I think can bump up ratings a little bit. Um, but sometimes they'll put in like potty humor and things like that, which make it PG, which is unfortunate because it's so unnecessary for telling a story. But like, I wonder, you know, Snow White, if they re-rated it to be PG because the huntsman tries to kill her and the poison apple. So there, you know, there could be a little, I could see the scariness bumping up the ratings. I don't know for sure. Well... Don't forget, they always keep um, changing what can be done in the ratings, right? They keep right. PG. Used to, you know, used to know the PG, like PG thirteen. Now you're allowed to drop an f bomb. Then we spoke about a right. film that dropped two of them because they just they snuck it in there. Oh, they got it in there, and they still got the PG thirteen rating. So we're so used to saying, "Oh, PG, it must mean whatever," but they kind of change what the standards are for it. So that's true. Yeah, that's why our pearl clutching scale is still so important for everyone to right. Use. Exactly. Because the pearl clutching scale does not change. Right. By the way, just as a point of information, I went online just now on IMDb to try to find what Snow White was rated, just for fun. And I typed in Snow White. The first two recommendations that came up were Disney's Snow White, but not the original, but one that's coming out next year in 2023. And then Snow White and the Huntsman. So the original Snow White didn't even rate to be in the top. Like, I have to go to more title matches to find Snow White, which I just think is an absolute travesty. Wasn't it considered like one of the best of animated films when it came out or something like that? Was that Snow White or which one was it? Well, it was the first feature length animated film. Oh, oh, oh. so yeah, I knew there was something unique about one. Yeah, okay. And it you know, it won a, an honorary Oscar. They made a full-sized Oscar and seven tiny Oscars for Disney. It's still considered one of the 
greatest. I don't think just because it's the first, I think also because it's well done, but it did also establish the fact that stories could be told in this way. And the fact that it's not at the top of IMDb is an atrocity. Well, I forgot that they're doing the, the one that you're referring to is that the live action that they're doing next year, but then there was like a whole controversy about it because they were going to have seven dwarves. Then Peter Dinklage was like, Oh, have I not done enough work? And then all the dwarves, people who were like, who are dwarf, they're dwarves and their actors were like, you just screwed us over because now Disney's like, we're going to re-examine if we're actually going to have dwarves in this now. Maybe we're going to have other kind of people in it. And they're like, we had, you took away our one chance. Like, right? Yeah. Isn't that what you something like that just happened recently about that? That did just happen recently. And it, I know we're not talking about Snow White, but since we're now on this tangent, two things about it. First of all, the fact that Peter Dinklage doesn't know the difference between a mythical dwarf and a real person dwarf, like, yes, they're the same word, but they're not the same thing. So Snow White has seven dwarves, which are mythical little characters with beards that mine, or they're also dwarves in Lord of the Rings, right? That's a mythical character. And then they're real people with dwarfism, but they're not the same thing. They just happen to have some similar characteristics in that they're small, but that was stupid. Also, I'm pretty sure that Peter Dinklage just wanted to be in the news because he had a new movie coming out and he wanted to be forefront because it's He's doing a new version of Cyrano. This is totally my own analysis of the situation based on nothing, but he was in a new version of Cyrano de Bergerac, and I can't imagine that Cyrano is exactly the most compelling, perhaps, to some audiences who aren't as well-versed in classic literature and plays, so maybe he was just trying to get his name back out there so they could say, Peter Dinklage, whose movie Cyrano, you know, came out last week, did anybody even know that that movie came out, though? Oh, whatever. you know, whatever. Well, that's what I'm saying. They do now. Anyway. I prefer to think he didn't realize what the outcome of saying something like that was, because on the one hand, you're trying to say, like, oh, you know, don't make don't make fun of certain people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But if you really just took away these guys' shots at being cast in a film, then you did more harm than good with what you said. So, who knows? But anyways, back to Encanto. In, in, uh, in <laughs> back to Encanto. So, for a lot of people, it was very exciting, because the music and lyrics are by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Now, right. full disclosure, I didn't see the whole film uh, because cancel Disney Plus. <laughs> but Emily did because Emily is a Disney acolyte for now, at least until she something totally sends her over the top. But I did watch um, a bunch of the songs and I watched the songs as they were within the film. So I got a, I got a video. And also you could not escape the advertising of it. I was somewhere, I think it was no. an airport <laughs> where I like walked into, not intentionally, I was trying to get from one terminal to another, and I just walked into like an Encanto Wonderland, where it was like, oh, I see what's going on. And I, I spoke to a few people, well, someone told me about this, I got the whole rundown. So I have seen it, and I heard some of the music of it. So that's just full disclosure. So Emily will do most of the talking in this, maybe, but maybe not, who knows. But what I did see, I was a little bit underwhelmed from. Not visually, um, audibly. Yes. Now, visually, it really was beautiful. It reminiscent of Coco in terms of the colors. I will say I'm getting a little sick, and I, I don't think I'm the first person to say this, but it's the first time I've really felt it, of this new animation style that Disney does. You know, the like very big eyes and the everything's big and rounded. Similar to Frozen, similar to Luca, Coco even. A lot of the characters are starting to look very similar. and even Moana. I mean, they're, they're different. Each specific character has some unique characteristics, but the overall animation style hasn't changed, which I guess is maybe not unusual if you look at Disney movies from like 101 Dalmatians through Robin Hood 
all have a very similar animation style. But that was a budgetary issue because that was sort of Disney's technically their dark years, even though some of my favorite Disney movies came out during that time because of their simplicity in the in the animation and the storytelling is straightforward and they use good stories. But they they actually reused a lot of animation. But if you think before that, like Snow White was very particular and was different from Cinderella, which was different from Sleeping Beauty had its own thing. So each movie was given its own feel, its own touch based upon where it took place and the time that it was set. And it seems like that's not, I mean, in terms of color, it was done. But anyway, all the, all the characters are kind of looking the same these days. So maybe it's time for Disney to move on to a new kind of thing. And I mean, I guess in terms of the content, because that's, that's why we're here first and foremost, right? It is, it's a clean movie. And from that perspective, good job, Disney, even though it's technically rated PG, I wouldn't rate it any differently from, like I said, Beauty and the Beast, which has that wolf scene, which is pretty scary. Or Aladdin, you know, with Jafar at the end, that's a pretty scary thing. So this is a few scary things. Every Disney movie has a few scary things. But otherwise, in terms of appropriateness, cleanliness, age, you know, right for kids and families, they they hit all the marks of Disney. That being said, so content-wise, I think as oh my word, we can promote it and say, if you're wondering whether or not this is appropriate to watch with your family, yes. Whether or not it's worth watching, (laughs) unfortunately, is a different story. I think you mentioned the music and lyrics are by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who usually delivers on a really high level, but maybe he's burned out with all the things he's done recently because I didn't find any of the songs to be earworms. None of them are sticking in my head. I can't even really remember what any of them sound like. The lyrics were obvious. And I I think Lin-Manuel Miranda want his genius comes in his lyrics. Like his, his music is fine, but I'm sort of neither here nor there about his different styles. He's talented, but it, whatever. But I think his lyrics is where he really shines. And these lyrics were, they, it wasn't necessary for these lyrics to be songs. They could have been spoken as dialogue. Music in a musical is supposed to come at a point when the characters are so emotional that they just can't speak anymore. So they have to sing, right? That's where music is supposed to come in. And a musical, and I I rank Disney movies that have music throughout them as musicals, but then you're not supposed to sing so literally. And these characters are all singing so literally. I don't know. I just, I was not, I was looking forward to it and I was disappointed. Well, it's also because sometimes when you can guess the rhyme sequence of it, or if like, if you can, if your Mm -hmm. mind fills in the word that comes next without having heard the song, then it's it just means that the the lyrics haven't done anything different per se. It doesn't necessarily make them bad, but it, does, it means that they just if I know the word that comes next, it's it's like easy children's rhymes is kind of what it becomes. Uh, usually, when a song is really going to be a standout song, is because the lyrics are not because oh I've never heard this word before, but the lyrics did something either in the rhyming sequence or in you know the construction of the song itself that that I couldn't guess at before I heard it. And once I heard it, I was like, oh, that's you know that was good what they did there. The, the, none yeah. of the songs, I was just, yeah, they didn't, the ones that I heard, even though everyone's talking about that Bruno's, the Bruno song, and I think you mentioned that, like, I don't, I saw it and I was just like, okay, this is just, like, kind of creepy. And also, like, you're complaining about a goldfish dying, like, am I supposed to be sad about this? Like, it seemed a little ridiculous on the lyrics of that song, because they're trying to say that, oh, because every, everybody in the family has, like, a magical power, right, and Bruno could say the future or something, and then what he says is what happens. So, yeah, the one person who's like, oh, I'm upset about 
But, but the main, like, the main people sing the song are like, oh, that he caused a hurricane on, on the day of our wedding or something like that, right? So, mm-hmm. like, that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> but then, yeah, the other one was, like, sad because he said, oh, your goldfish is going to die. And as soon as that lyric came up and that person sang it, I was like, wait a second, is this, is this a joke part of the song now? Like, is this supposed <laughs> to be humorous? Yes. Because it's so ridiculous. That's part of it also, like, but the, that the lyrics didn't feel to measure up. Because Lin-Manuel Miranda, when you're listening to his stuff, you don't really, you don't usually feel like, oh, this was ridiculous, right? It didn't, you don't have that, right. like, incongruity of, like, why did he just put this here? So that was kind of like, what just happened? My, what am I supposed to be feeling in the song when, you, when you're singing about goldfish dying? I'm not saying, you know, maybe it's sad they're very attached to the goldfish, but it doesn't line up to a <laughs> hurricane, you know? Right. It does resolve a little bit at the end of the movie, um, and some of that song makes a little bit more sense once the context is given, but... You're right. In the moment, it's not very clear. And that's sort of, I mean, with all the songs, you're, you're just not emotionally connected by the music. And if music can't emotionally connect you to the characters and to the plot, then it's really not doing its job. I mean, it, that, that emotional connection should come also in other places, but that's one of the big jobs of music. And it just didn't really live up to it. And then the plot in general is just a little all over the place. It doesn't really make sense. Things are built up to be, this is the task that has to happen, and then it's solved really quickly, and then suddenly there's another problem, but that was also solved really quickly. So there was not really a clear climax. It just, I don't know, maybe they really wanted to do this movie about this magical family in Colombia, and then they just haphazardly threw it together because they know that unfortunately people are going to go and they're going to pay for the movie no matter what. So they don't feel like they always have to deliver their best, which is too bad. Because I, I don't think it was good storytelling. And Disney used to be known for its good storytelling. I know a lot of kids who really love the music and really, really liked it. So perhaps for the kid audience, it worked because it's visually interesting and there's magic and the house collapses. So there's interesting things going on if you're young enough. But older Disney movies, you don't even have to go back that far. I mean, you could go to Tangled, which I think was one of the more recent, really good Disney movies. That was a good Disney movie for kids and for adults and had good music and had a good story and was also clean. So it is actually possible to do all of those things. And Disney has done it. They didn't quite get it here. But again, at least they kept a family movie clean. These are these are the new standards again. Look, kids are not <laughs> kids are not going to sit and overanalyze. If a song has a has a right. upbeat, if it's upbeat to them, they'll sing it. They're not sitting and you know examining the lyrics. Or if a song, if, you know, again, if it's visually beautiful to watch, they'll they'll watch it, even if it's not as visually beautiful. Because this is what the kids put in front of. They're not they're not sitting to compare stuff in that kind of regard. So they're just happy, especially if the characters are nice or they're. Um, there's no reason for them not to like whoever your protagonist is. No, they're, they're lacking emotional depth. Like, no, five-year-olds don't talk <laughs> uh, It is interesting. You don't have it with all the recent films, but ever since, okay, people like Brave for some reason, which I thought was a, that was a dumpster fire of a film. But from Brave, you see how they try to, even though it didn't entirely work, well, it's not, it wasn't entirely across the board. You see that they try to move away from a lot of the princess narratives of like, oh, you have to find a prince and get married and blah, blah, whatever, right? Which used to be the, the Disney formula. And, well, now I can only think of two. I can think of this one in, in Kanto and I can think of, of Coco where it's not, it's, it's their family oriented films. As in not just that the, your target audience of the family, but the storyline is around the family, mm. which is, it's actually an interesting, uh, path for Disney to be taking because as a corporation, it's not a, they have 
they have interesting values that maybe they don't see that the alignment <laughs> of those values that are to say the be least. a little different, but I mean, whatever. But it's um it's just interesting that it's actually probably it's not just interesting, but it's probably good. I would say it's good also. I mean, yeah, I don't care. Like a lot of people love the princess stuff. I don't, I don't care if they're moving away from the princess stuff. If they're moving towards something like this, of, of a good emphasis on family and, you know, family units and all that kind of stuff. That's, I think that's a good, that's a good thing. I did say one thing. I saw this one article that was trashing Louisa because she's got like super strength. And they're like, why do they always give women? I think someone had done this like Twitter thread on it of why are you always giving women when you want to show a strong woman, you make them like beastly and manly. Mm. Like, why do you make them so masculine instead of focusing when women themselves have so many strengths? Or even if you want to do the super strength thing, which is masculine, but even if you want to do that, why does she have to look so beastly and masculine? Like, why is she not allowed to also be feminine and be physically strong or something like that? And it was... I might not be totally remembering the thread of it, but I remember seeing that. I was, I was reading, I was like, well, this has an interesting perspective. I, mean, I hadn't seen the film, so I don't know, whatever, but I did see what Louisa looks like, and it's true that, and it's not like a right. Viking woman that they make it, even though the Vikings are a whole other thing. But they just, they do, they make them look like these giant men, and then they put like a skirt on them, and they're like, look, women can be strong. And you're like, most women do not look like that. And, and why are you denying all the other strengths that a woman has? And only focusing on this like male, masculine sort of thing. Oh, because that is not only men are masculine to be strong. Okay, fine. Like, <laughs> fine, I hear you, but you're, it's still a very masculine thing to have this beastly looking woman. So, right. I don't know. I don't know if you, if you, if you caught that, but I saw someone like totally trashing it. And I was like, that's yeah, interesting. See how much we over, we're overanalyzing these films in a way that the kids are not. <laughs> But again, but Disney movies didn't used to be made for children. They were made for families to watch together, maybe emphasis on children. But I mean, Walt Disney's goal was not necessarily to make kids movies. They were to make movies that the families could enjoy together that would impart values. So the fact that some movies today are just a little bit more kid focused, I think is a shame because then then maybe the parents just let the kids sit and watch it and they're not watching it with them. So they're not enjoying and talking about what they could learn. And by the way, I just have to push back on you a little bit because I know people always think of Disney as princess stories. But if you look at the entire canon of Disney movies, the majority of them are not princess movies. And the majority of the princess movies, by the way, came out after Walt died. So they came out like, if you think starting with Little Mermaid and then Pocahontas, and Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin, and Mulan, like, the majority of princesses in the princess canon are actually post-1960s feminism, as opposed to prior, which is just Snow White, Cinderella, and Sleeping Beauty. And even the ones that are princess movies, yes, they're about romance, but they're really about more, right? Like, Beauty and the Beast isn't about romance. It's about seeing people for who they truly are, and, you know, what makes someone a monster or not. And, I mean, even Cinderella, yes, there's a romance, but it's about kindness. So, I just... I have my issues with Disney today, unfortunately, but generally speaking in their stories, I, I just always push back a little bit on the whole princess narrative because that's not really, I mean, marketing wise. Yeah, yes, marketing that's totally. Yeah. Marketing for sure, because they market the princesses to the girls and they do cars and Toy Story to the boys. But from an actual, you know, looking at all the movies, because there's you know, Pinocchio, and Dumbo, and Bambi, Jungle Book, you could say they're an animal company as much as a princess company so that's that's all fine fair point thank you 
But anyway, Encanto was, you know, again, we're here to promote clean content. And from that perspective, they hit it. They did it. Well, I wonder if things might be, well, I guess we'll see, but there's a difference between if, if a film is being shown in theaters, parents have to sit and watch it with their kids. But if they're streaming, they don't, right? Because you don't have to take them somewhere to pay for them. The streaming, you can just turn on and you go take care of whatever you want to take care of. So right. I don't know if it will necessarily have an effect, but I wonder, because then you don't necessarily have to make sure that the parents are going to be sitting through the film anymore. The parents are going to be in and out of a room, but out of theater, the parent paid for their ticket, they're going to sit and watch it. Right. Well, even not, because you're not just That's leaving your five-year-old in the theater, so... Right, right, right. We're gonna, we called it here. <laughs> we said here, we'll see. Who knows? Who knows? But we'll see what, uh, maybe that's why, uh, you know, Netflix could do all that nudity in teen films because it's not rated R means that teens wouldn't get into theaters to see it. So streaming, who knows? That's our musings for today. <laughs> yeah, if you can call almost a half hour long podcast mere musings, we are grateful that you stuck with us on this journey and we look forward to seeing you next week. Cheers, peoples. Oh My Word podcast is brought to you by the pearl-clutching basement dwellers at Oh My Word. Follow us on Instagram for updates at Oh My Word podcast, or like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For full episode notes and details, visit eltenabam.com. Music is by Tim Berg. See you next time.